0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Andy, today I'd like to discuss something a professor said recently that bothered me and sort of stayed with me. This professor teaches a course on logical thinking. He teaches quite a few useful things, and I really benefited from studying with him. I do have to say that. The problem is that he's also a vocal atheist. A recent comment that he made is typical. He writes, These big questions as to how the universe began, what happened right before the Big Bang, how did life first appear, etc., are all active areas of scientific research. To claim God did it is the argument from ignorance. That is to say, we don't currently know, so let's plug God in there. He continues later, anyone who states they know how the universe came about is full of it. Those are my words. This includes people claiming that God did it. The intellectually honest answer is, I don't know.
1: You know, Joan, it's good that we're talking about this today. And, you know, since I know many of our listeners, I've probably heard it before anyway.
0: Right. And I've heard it my whole life, Andy. And in particular, you know, I wanted to focus on this idea that the intellectually honest answer, quote unquote, to the big questions about the origin of life and the universe is I don't know. It sounds rational, but is it correct? Well, let's see what one of the greatest
1: intellectuals who ever lived had to say about this. Let's listen now to the Word of God.
0: Romans chapter 1 verses 20 to 22 and verse 25. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That was Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 22 and 25.
1: Okay, folks, before we get into a topic, we typically follow the SPACE method. As our longtime listeners know, SPACE is an acronym standing for Speaker, SP, Audience, we use the letter A, Context, C, and Explanation, E. It guides us in the proper order for interpreting scripture. However, today I think we should spend the most time on the speaker Because it is the central part of our topic, let's establish the credentials of the man whose thinking we will use to refute the professor. That man is the Apostle Paul.
0: Yeah, earlier you called Paul one of the greatest intellectuals who ever lived, Andy. And, you know, we make this claim because he received an education unlike anyone has ever received, and of course, because he were under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here's a quick recap of his life and education. Originally called Saul, he was the son of a Pharisee, an ancient Jewish sect that were considered the elite among the educated of Israel.
1: You know, Jordan, he was also brought up in Jerusalem as a student of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was a leading authority of the Sanhedrin back then, which was the Supreme Council and Tribunal of Israel. So Paul studied with the equivalent of, let's say, a Supreme Court justice. Saul was also educated strictly according to Jewish ancestral law, and eventually he became a Pharisee himself.
0: Yeah, later he earned his own place on the Sanhedrin and was well on his way to becoming a Supreme Court justice, as you said, like his mentor, Gamaliel. But Christ Jesus had other plans, of course, and and changed the course of his life, which is when he became the Apostle Paul.
1: Yeah, Jordan, it's also important to realize that Paul lived and traveled during the height of ancient Greek philosophy. You know, guys like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, you know, these titans of intellectualism had lived only a few centuries before this time, and their ideas were dominant in what was then the civilized world. We know that, according to historical books. So the book of Acts tells us that Paul, who, who we're speaking of here, Saul becoming Paul, was proficient enough in Greek philosophy to give a famous lecture at Mars Hill in Athens. I mean, that was a famous place. It was the center at the time of the intellectual world.
0: Right, Andy. But not even all that is sufficient to call Paul one of the greatest. For that, he would need to have an education unlike any other person. And we find that he did indeed receive that education because he studied under the great master himself, God's own son, Jesus Christ. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul reveals that after his conversion on the road to Damascus, when he received his sight again and went from Saul to Paul, he went away to Arabia for three years and was taught the highest knowledge through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. In summary, imagine
1: getting the best education you could possibly get at the best university you can imagine. You know, imagine going beyond a bachelor's degree to a master's degree or to a Ph.D., and then, you know, even to a higher degree that puts all Ph.D.s to shame. That's kind of what Paul went through. Right. You know, and then also imagine receiving a superpower. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, everything you write is guaranteed to be correct. You can't make a mistake. That's an unbelievable superpower. So that's essentially the intellectual life of the Apostle Paul. He was the speaker of today's passage.
0: A word about context, Andy, before we move on. In our passage from Romans today, we should explain that the Apostle Paul is not specifically writing about the origins of the universe. We're making that connection, which is supportable, as you'll see. But Romans is primarily about the gospel or good news. It's about the coming of the Messiah, his work on the cross, and mankind being reconciled to God through his supreme act of sacrifice. You know, Jordan,
1: Paul writes in Romans 1:16 and 17, these words, the gospel is what the context is, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And here's a great point, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And then he follows up that, you know, in verse 18 with a warning, and he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. It's unrighteous to suppress the truth. And why, you might ask? Because he says here that they know the truth deep inside. They know there is a God. They know deep down it's in the DNA of, of a human that... There's a a creator and there's something, you know, beyond what we see that has created this life as we know it. So even if they deceive themselves into believing, they just won't. They just simply won't. They're actually in rebellion. And that's the point we wanted everyone to see.
0: Yeah, keep in mind what the logic professor said. He said, quote, the intellectually honest person, end quote, will admit that he or she doesn't know where our planet or universe came from. Maybe it got here by a fortunate series of random events. That's the idea that I think most modern intellectuals cling to. And, you know, it's amusing sometimes to read their theories, Andy. For instance, we just lost one of the greatest physicists that ever lived, Stephen Hawking. He was literally the smartest man in the world, you could argue. Yet he couldn't quite explain how our perfect planet could happen by accident. Apparently, mathematically, I don't understand it, I'm not a physicist, but apparently, mathematically, there just wasn't enough time for it to happen by chance or randomly. So what did he do? Except that it must be God's design... Of course not. It seems he chose to believe in uh, something that sounds like science fiction, a story that he made up himself. Yeah, you know, Jordan, Hawking's
1: explanation was that our universe is just one of many universes that are like the formation of bubbles and boiling water. I mean, I I guess that's a a good visual if you don't want to accept the fact that there's an ultimate creator. But, you know, many bubbles pop, he said, and some grow into full-size bubbles that are safe from popping and some don't, and in our random bubble... Everything worked out. I guess, you know, this was his theory. And in many other bubbles, it just didn't work out. And that's how he came up with enough time and enough alternate outcomes to make his math work, I guess you could say. So, yeah, that's right. It seems Hawking put his faith in bubbles. I know it sounds silly, but it's kind of the best way that he can explain it. And You know, we've heard it all, and I'm sure, you know, our listeners have heard this before as well.
0: Yeah, some put their faith in aliens. Uh, Some believe we're living in a computer simulation. I hear that a lot lately. And of course, many men have created their own small G-gods to believe in. You know, I, I uh, I think Isaiah 44 perfectly captures the absurdity of that last one. You know, it talks about a man who plants a tree, sees it grow, and then cuts the tree down. And then verse 16 of chapter 44 says, Half of it he burns in the fire. Over this half he eats meat as he roasts a roast, and he's satisfied. He also warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. Verse 17. But the rest of it, he makes into a God, his graven image. He falls down before it and worships. He also prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. Now I always think about that passage from Isaiah to just sort of captures the absurdity of praying to a carved image or a a graven image because as he says, you take a log cut in half Half of it you burn and use for fire, yeah. the other half you worship. It makes no sense.
1: Yeah, and again, I think the theme here is we see that it's a, it's kind of a sign of rebellion. I mean, it's beyond idiocracy. This man in Isaiah wasn't that stupid. Right. Um, you know, it's just a matter of rebellion against God. It's just not wanting to give God his due of worship and praise and acknowledging him. So, yeah, you know, many intellectuals, Jordan, choose to believe in in any anything but God because they just say that they can't find the evidence for God. But let's look again at what the super intellectual Paul had to say, and we'll pick it up again in Romans 1, 19 to 20, as it reads, that which is known about God is, here's the key, evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. I mean, if you if you break down that verse there, those couple of verses there, I mean, it's just a blunt statement that God writes in Scripture about atheists.
0: Right. In other words, the intellectually honest answer is, I know God exists because it's evident. Just look around and you can see it with your own eyes. Right. You know, many preachers, teachers, and theologians have come up with some great analogies to explain these sort of mental gymnastics that you have to go through to deny that God exists after just looking around, right? For sure. Two of my favorites are these two. One is called the watchmaker analogy, which was created by a guy named William Paley, a Christian apologist from around the 1800s. He said that if a pocket watch is found in the woods, it's most reasonable to assume that someone dropped it and that it was made by a watchmaker, not by some random occurrence of natural forces. Right. That's the watchmaker analogy. And then My favorite of all time is what's called Hoyle's fallacy, created by Fred Hoyle, a British astronomer and writer. He said that the likelihood that even the simplest cell came about by random chance is about the same as the likelihood that, quote, a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747. So the point is, even with endless
1: time and these multiple universes, that the most logical explanation for the existence of a watch or the existence of a plane is an intelligent designer. Right. That's, you know, in summary, there's no other way to put it. There had to be someone intelligent that put this together. So knowing that point, we're going to move on now to Romans one twenty-five, And Paul writes, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Jordan, what do you have to say about those points?
0: Well, a better translation might be, they worshiped the created instead of the creator, which I think in the original Greek, that probably had that little bit of cleverness there. And, you know, I think I think he's speaking quite literally. You know, throughout time, many have worshipped Mother Earth, for example. She was called Gaia. Still do. Um, animals of all kinds. And, and they ended up worshipping humans as well, whether they were so-called divine kings, cult leaders, even celebrities, you could argue. As Paul puts it in verse 22 of our passage, They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man Mm. and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures.
1: You know, Jordan, um, you know, that verse right there kind of reminds me of a verse back in Genesis. It's in chapter one, and it's verse 26, and I'll read that briefly. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you see here, you know, it was part of God's plan that He would create humankind, mankind, in His image, but He also left us to be in control of everything else that God created for us, whether it be trees or animals or fish or whatever it might be to our benefit. You know, it was symbolic of our rulership and dominance knowing that we understood that it came from God, you know, the Godhead as a gift. And of course, we see here in this verse that Paul clarifies, you know, what makes the difference between a faithful Christian versus someone who's in rebellion or, or so-called atheist, because they start, again, they start worshiping the things that we're supposed to rule over. Yeah. You know, we're actually stepping down from our pedestal of rulership, and it's kind of like a—, a I hate to use these words, but it's, it's kind of like a, a slap in the face to our Lord and Savior because they were made, they were gifts for us, and now we're, we're lifting them up and raising them above ourselves. So right there, I mean, I think that's just, a, it's, it's despicable, if you, if you will, that people that are in so much rebellion against God, they would, they, they would take the thing that was created to serve us and make that above you know humankind.
0: Yeah, it's a complete inversion of the hierarchy, right? God's above us and we're above the animals and we, com- and we completely invert that when you're worshiping an animal. That's a, that's a great point, Andy. Um, you know, that brings us to the wrap-up for our lesson and something we like to do, which is to always ask, what's the everyday takeaway for this Bible study? Maybe, Andy, you could talk about that.
1: Sure. Well, ultimately, Jordan, Paul is talking about the consequences of pretending that we don't know that God exists. Just so you guys know, all of our listeners, and spread the word. According to Scripture, everyone knows there is a God. I mean, based on what the verses that we read today, that we're studying, it's in the DNA. It's in creation. You see God's thumbprint in everything that's made, from the sky, to the stars, to the leaves on the trees, to the beauty of flowers. It was only something with, with an intelligent design behind it that can create these things and keep them together. So, you know, here we see that there's going to be consequences, you know, and that's what we're going to find out because people are, are willingly denying the God that created them. And, you know, he says people who think that way are deceiving themselves if they think that there are no consequences for having that belief.
0: Yeah, we see it in our society today, Andy. If the place where God is meant to be is left vacant, something's going to fill it, right? Right. And it's most likely going to be man-made, which we know means sinful, ultimately. If you think about it with spiritual wisdom, there are only two possibilities in the universe. They're serving God or serving Satan. There is no third option. Yeah, it's definitely black and white.
1: There's no gray. So people deceive themselves when they pretend that they can be neutral or undecided. You know, they end up somehow serving Satan by default.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think I was so unsettled by that professor's comment. I, you know, I know we all want to be perceived as intellectually honest and logical. Uh, This professor's argument could lead a person who was weak in their faith to stop on the path to righteousness and reconsider. You know, he or she might think, well, it's true. I can't say for sure that God exists without sounding illogical or anti-intellectual. I don't have scientific proof and lots of other smart people don't believe in God. So maybe I am being illogical and thinking this way. And that will take them in the wrong direction, which is, of course, away from God. So let's always remember what one of the greatest intellectuals
1: who ever lived had to say about this topic, and it was that God's eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in what has been made, and God made it obvious so there would be no excuses on Judgment Day when the time comes.
0: Yeah, what's really illogical is to trust in wooden gods or amazing tornadoes or believe in aliens or bubble universes, and simply saying, hey, I don't know, doesn't really work either because... Again, there's no neutral option. By default, those who don't serve God are inadvertently serving Satan, whose mission is to get people to do anything but serve God. He wins if we choose not to choose God's path.
1: Yeah, Jordan, you know, in summary, I could say this. You know, Jesus said in Scripture, if they're not for us, then they're against us. So you're either a Christian or you're not. And if you look at, you know, all of mankind, and I think that when we look at it from a political view— or a moral view as far as how we live in our lives, how we raise our families, um, or or just simply religion. Whether you choose to be, you know, Christian, Catholic, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, whatever it is, according to scripture, you're either a Christian, a predestined Christian, or you're not. It doesn't mean that we're to separate ourselves and and create this wall and say, well, we're you know we're the good guys, you're the bad guys. Right. It's actually the opposite. You know, Jesus teaches us to have compassion and love and to show forth his light through our lives. And and that's the way we can attract people towards Christ. It's how we found the Lord. It was through people's love and, and the attention to detail that they gave to show forth how God touched their lives and saved them. They made that effort by the fullness of the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel to us. It's something that, you know, all our listeners need to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, and again, I think sometimes we get shy because— you know, the really smart people mm. are often atheists for some reason, e- even though, by the way, science started with all people of faith. It was all Christians, right, Catholic- in the Catholic Church, all the early founding fathers of science, you know, Sir Francis Bacon, sure. Isaac Newton, all these guys were people of faith, and they they did their science within the context of there is a, a creator. For some reason, you know, post-Enlightenment, whatever happened, science has become much more atheistic. and I think modern-day Christians, people listening, and, and ourselves as well—you know—we we get maybe intellectually intimidated by, well, they're really smart people who don't talk about these things. But, but this this scripture in particular sort of made me realize once again that you know it got my head on right. Like, wait a minute, what, what what the apostle Paul is saying is absolutely true. Just look around. You you have to be you have to twist your mind to even come up with a remotely plausible explanation for how all this majesty got here by accident. You know, bubbles and stuff like that. I mean. Right. That, that's a really true theory that Stephen Hawking put forth. I mean, he said, I, I'm not sure, but this is kind of like my theory. But he, he obviously wasn't putting his faith in God if he's conjecturing about bubbles popping and stuff like that. So I, I think that, that get your head on right if you're listening and you're a Christian. Don't, don't be cowed. Don't be afraid to speak your mind because it really is evident. Just look around you. you know. And th- those guys are the ones making up the complicated science fiction stuff.
1: Yeah, great points. You know, it's um, it's like that saying, "Keep it simple, silly," right? Right. And um, you know, for that, I'll 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 say that, it's true. These um, these intellectual, intelligent, well-read atheists tend to be bullies. You know, so um, it's it's hard sometimes for us to uh, want to push ourselves to the point where we feel we'll make an effort to right. to show God's love to them. But that's how exactly what we have that they don't have. We have the love of God. Right. And that's how we win them over. We make that effort for God's glory, for the Lord's glory. Whether they receive Jesus Christ or not, in the end, they'll have no excuse
0: for, for having said they haven't heard the gospel. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes left for Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later, or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the
1: place where you can join in on our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any question you might have. We do have a growing Facebook community as well and a discussion forum.
0: While you're on the site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added to the site. And when you sign up for our email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series that we've titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community.
1: And it's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org. will get you there much faster.
0: Moving on to Give 20, this is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians today are struggling to make time to study God's Word. and Maybe they're feeling guilty that they aren't often able to do that. We all know studying the
1: Word of God is vital to our spiritual growth, yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. That's why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 Minutes for God. And now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will
0: need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute, every cent, will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and just click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another 20 minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly.
1: All rights reserved. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.